We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arthur Smith's Falcons played the quarterbackless New York Jets. That is not what we're going to be talking about as we review week 13 here on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find my newsletter. Stealing Signals at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his great work over at Rotoviz. Sean, an interesting week. You know, we had some high-scoring affairs. The Chargers beat the Patriots 6-0. to We had... The Falcons and the Jets playing to a 13-8 game that was, you know, was 2-0 after one quarter. We saw Joe Flacco come back. You were just talking to me about this before uh, we went live. Looked way better than he had any reason to. You said it kind of made Tom Brady's comments look, you know, a little bit accurate because he's from that older era and comes back and just sort of immediately looks competent. He was standing back there, statuesque, like – I mean, partly it's that Joe Flacco really doesn't care. I mean, he's got like the beyond honey badger thing going, so you can't pressure him because he couldn't possibly care less what's going to happen on that play. But, I mean, the cool that he was exuding as his not particularly talented Cleveland Browns receivers are running all over the place. And he's just hitting them in stride like it's nothing. I mean, we, we switched from the Rams – we switched from the Browns defense to the Rams defense at the last minute, and it did end up being a 9-0 to difference, so that was great. And yet, as I was watching the game, mostly I'm like, the Rams are not getting anywhere near Joe Flacco, nor is he throwing interceptable passes. <laughs> because he's like actually being an NFL quarterback and throwing the ball across the line of scrimmage, which the current generation of quarterbacks simply will not do. He's like, it's not that hard. It's like, and... <laughs> There will be no age that I get that I won't be able to throw the ball 60 yards in the air easily, which does at least mean you got to respect and like mildly defend the deep passes. Like I've never had any accuracy on that pass, but I can throw it that far. The interception he threw today was so funny. It was, I mean, he just, it was just like an arm punt. I don't know. Like, did he not see the safety? He just threw it's like it the game, out. It's like the game is not in doubt anymore. I'm going to really toss this one up. I mean, it was not even like a Ryan Fitzpatrick pick. It was it was even more YOLO than Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was just – it became a putt. Uh, you are being kind saying we made a defense uh, switch. I spent the morning trying to figure out where my Washington Huskies would be playing in the college football playoff semifinals. 
Uh, obviously, I'm I'm stoked that they won Friday night uh, over Oregon and made it there. But then I didn't really like that they were playing in New Orleans and that Florida State got left out and some other things. And so I spent the the hour leading up to the uh, kickoff arguing with people online about college football. Thought our lineups were mostly set, and then I saw um, the email from you, and, and you had sent me a text as well that that you we <laughs> you wanted to talk through some defense and kicker starting sits, and apparently you smashed the ball because you also got the Chargers defense in in one league, and they had that shutout, just stealing edges, Sean, with with the defensive uh, the defensive starts. Well, then after I, I, I spent, that's off to you. It wasn't us. It was you. <laughs> after I spent Wednesday night bidding. On defenses and kickers, I'm like, I'm gonna get them in there. <laughs> I don't want to waste it all that time. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, the Flacco thing was so funny because I I felt the same way. He actually looked competent. He was able to, you know, he ends up throwing 44 passes in this game. Doesn't complete a whole ton of them. 23. Then Elijah but Moore some passes. You might have forgotten that he was still in the NFL. I did. Yeah, 12 targets, four catches. So it only took you know three times as many targets to get him. But no, 83 yards receiving. He has a decent little game. For me, and I, I just referenced that Jets-Falcons game, I've been so tilted about the Jets' unwillingness to actually try anything reasonable at quarterback. Obviously, we've talked about how when they go to Tim Boyle, he's he's worse than Zach Wilson. We had a, a laugh last week about, or a couple weeks ago, whenever it was, about uh, Tim Boyle's college production and his overall profile. And just It's so ridiculous. We got Trevor Simeon in this game for the Jets. I've never thought Trevor Simeon was good at all, but I had been saying early on when they signed him to the practice squad, they should at least activate him and get a look at him and see if he's decent because he had like mild moments in Denver that made me think he could potentially be competent in this offense. But the point is the bar was so low with the other two guys you had rostered, Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle. You needed to jump over them and see Simeon. And then if Simeon didn't work, you needed to move on and continue iterating and continue until you, something worked, like I mean, what Joe well, Flacco did Boyle today. Is just you know, conspiracy theory wise, the Jets trying to protect Aaron Rodgers from himself because they're like, if we win any games, he's going to insist on coming back. The only way to make sure that he's healthy for next year is if we play Tim Boyle. Then how are the Jets and the Patriots not switching quarterbacks every possession? Oh no, I mean they they should be, but the 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 the, the maddening thing I, I I'm, I'm doing where's so Will Greer? <laughs> the maddening thing for. Um, the Joe Flacco day today is the whole point I tried to make all year in Silly Signals and on Twitter and, and on this show was that they needed to be iterating. They needed to be trying different quarterbacks and being also willing to quickly move on, but embracing uncertainty, embracing chaos, the YOLO QB strategy. We talked a lot about this. And part of the issue was like, well, you're not going to just find the next Josh Dobbs, this guy who's immediately competent. And you know you should give a little bit of a longer leash to and see what's going to happen. Um, and that's not to say Dobbs is perfect, but Dobbs did enough in his quick because he got acquired right before Week One for the Cardinals and his quick turnaround there that they kept running with him in Arizona. And then same deal in Minnesota after they acquired him, he had a great couple of first outings. Uh, obviously struggled in his next outing. We don't even know if he's going to be playing coming out of the bye. But the the big counterpoint was not everyone can be Josh Dobbs. The Joe Flacco game in Cleveland is so totally – because he was the first one that everyone was saying. I'm pretty sure you mentioned in one of our early shows that the Jets should go to. They had him on the roster last year. He threw passes to Garrett Wilson a year ago. Like, why wouldn't they go get him? That was the obvious answer. Bring back Flacco. 
Flacco wanted to play apparently because he's back with the Browns now. I why did they not try out Joe Flacco in September, Sean? I mean, what would their record be right now? Undefeated. <laughs> I mean, they won the first game with Zach Wilson. That was the point at which they were one and zero and could have gone yeah. on a run. No, I, I mean. The other thing here is it does remind you that there are a lot of guys like vaguely out there who seem to be too old. But if you're like mid to late 30s and you, you know, or even early 40s and you didn't suffer a serious shoulder injury, which a lot of these guys, you know, you are leaving the NFL once the injuries have become too much. You have this kind of sad story recently about Drew Brees, for example. But I mean, I can serve bigger now than. I could as a college tennis player. I mean, your arm will still do the things that you need. And like Tom Brady was saying, if you can read and execute a defense, then execute against a defense. But you can bring things to the table that a lot of these teams need. I mean, you're not going to be Josh Allen. You're not going to be Jalen Hurts, even though he struggled massively today. You're not going to be Patrick Mahomes, even though he struggled significantly again today. But you're going to be able to move some of these offenses. And you know, another fantastic performance from Matthew Stafford, who's kind of in that same basic situation where he's actually had multiple, you know, fairly serious hand, arm, elbow, shoulder-ish injuries. And yet anytime that he's healthy and had his guy has his guys, I mean, the Rams have been a very strange team this year, but they're back hot again. And I mean, Matthew Stafford annihilated the Cleveland Browns elite defense today. Yeah, he looked good. Puka Nakua looked good. Uh, Sean, you just mentioned Drew Brees' injury, and that reminded me of something that you probably didn't get to see because you're not on Twitter. But Michael Thomas, who is on IR and not at the game, decided to tweet about his team quite a bit today. And one of the things he had to say about his quarterback was, when your eyes don't work, you get people hurt. It's no mystery. And it's something that needs to be studied. He tweeted that. Now, to be clear, he didn't actually name that he was talking about Derek Carr, but he was tweeting about the team otherwise and liking tweets and things. And anyway, you brought up Breeze and I, I had this funny moment today uh, with Michael Thomas where I was like, he has hated every other quarterback he's played with since Drew Breeze. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I mean, Drew Breeze is pretty decent. And <laughs> I think he just like realized that like, <laughs> I think he got spoiled a little bit early in his career with Drew Breeze. Well, Derek Carr averaged over 10 yards per attempt today. And only threw one pick, only took two sacks. I mean, there are going to be some games where maybe you create some yardage, but you have a lot of negative plays. Not really. The, I mean, Derek Carr has had a fantastic season. And Michael Thomas has not done a lot of things to endear himself to his team or his teammates for a long time now. <laughs> that is true. There's a lot of people on Twitter that would not agree with you that Derek Carr's had a great, or at least, I mean, they're, they're clamoring Sean out in these streets for uh, Jameis Winston because he like has thrown to Chris Olave a little bit of a higher rate. Um, and on the, like, I don't know, 40 or 50 passes that he's thrown this year. And so we want Jameis Winston for Olave is the, the current take. He did hit him for a long gain in this one. It was off a defender's hands, nearly intercepted. The announcer goes, the full Jameis experience, <laughs> gleefully. And, I mean, it was a good call. <laughs> that's that's the way I would have called it. I mean, there's maybe a little too much glee there. I mean, it's supposed to be on silly podcasts, not like on the national telecast. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, you did get that. I mean, he missed Olave open on the last two plays, which was unfortunate if you are a Saints fan and your team, despite not being particularly good, is probably far and away the best team actually in the NFC South. Yeah, or if you're an anti-Arthur Smith fan and you want the Saints to win because no one else can win the division. Then this is a horrible game by the Detroit Lions a week after they were embarrassed on Thanksgiving. Now, one of the things that we're seeing is that the Green Bay Packers are very much for real and that Jordan Love has taken a massive step forward kind of in the middle of the season right after you know more or less the GM's like I don't know if he's the guy but in this game the Lions get up 21-0 early and they spend the entire rest of the contest trying to give it away they have 30 rushing attempts only 25 passes even though Sam Laporta is I mean schooling the saints defense every single time that he gets a target catches all nine today for 140 yards and a touchdown he is open at will you have jameer gibbs who averages over seven yards per attempt but the lions don't seem fit to get him the ball either as a rusher or a receiver it's time that we shelve the david montgomery into the middle experiment and stop trying to prove people (laughs) prove to people that were so tough stop trying to take last week's game plan where the saints struggled to stop the run and say oh well, they struggled to stop the run last week we're going to try and shove it down their throats ben johnson is the lead candidate for that carolina panthers job if he wants it you have got to do a better job than he did today if the lions give this game away they step right back into the midst of an nfc north battle for the division and I mean, this team is far, far, far too talented to do that. And after a month where Jameer Gibbs was a star and they deserved a lot of credit for unleashing him, I mean, how can you be back in this situation that we're in today where you almost lose the game and you're not using your playmakers? I mean, one of the things here that's kind of amusing is that they can't get the ball to Jamison Williams in the passing game. But when you toss it to him, he's like, Everybody else is in slow motion compared to me. You have Jamison Williams. You have Jameer Gibbs. You have Amon Ross St. Brown, who only catches two passes. And you have the new superstar tight end. Then we were kind of joking, and I kind of went back and forth. I did a little update uh, just in my kind of Monday article a couple weeks later because I'd had so much fun with you. I told you that Laporta and McBride were kind of on that 2-3 turn. They have responded to me barely leaving them out by... (laughs) just going full peak Travis Kelsey. I mean, these two guys are going to be unstoppable for a decade. We are fast approaching the holiday season. We're always looking for the perfect gifts for those near and dear to us, our families and friends. And what could be better than a ticket to a live event? We're heading towards the crucial weeks of the NFL season, and there's so much sports going on, but there's also concerts, comedy, theater, so many other things that you can go and get a ticket to this time of year. Can be stressful looking for tickets, getting the best price, the best seats, trying to figure everything out to have the best experience. But it doesn't have to be like that because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful game time is a fast and easy way to get tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you will have they have exclusive flash deals they have the game time guarantee which means you'll always get the best price if you find a ticket in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference buying tickets in a matter of seconds two taps on their 
app and you're set. So whether it's for a gift or whether it's just to treat yourself this holiday season, snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code RotoViz for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. They look incredible. The Lions, four three and outs today. Uh, three of them, Dave Montgomery touched on first and 10 and a not an unsuccessful play. <laughs> um, and again, so yeah, have a limited number of possessions in the game. Yep, it's a game. Football is a game of possessions. They two of those three and outs came in the first half. They had also a four and out, got a first down on, on a, a Dave Montgomery run and then a, then a three and out right behind it. Uh, which included a second and 10 David Montgomery run for three yards. Second and 10 runs, I believe, statistically the worst play call in football in, in terms of the potential. Because, like, the difference between third and 10 on, on an incompletion and third and seven when you go get a David Montgomery three yard run on second and 10, the conversion rates are like not that different. So, you might as well use the second and 10 to try to convert a first down as opposed to gaining three yards and just making the third down a third and long, slightly less long. But anyway, in the first half, there are other. What I was going to say is their other drives were all touchdowns and a field goal, uh, and then two three and outs in that four and out. Second half, they have a field goal, a touchdown, and the two three and outs, and then their drive to end the game. It is it's a game of possessions. They win this game thirty three twenty eight. Every other drive was a scoring drive, other than those you know those punt drives I was discussing. And to your point, 
They get up 21-0 at the end of the first quarter. They're up 24-7 at half. And this game comes down to a situation where the Saints have the ball down five late and have an opportunity to win the game. Yeah, I mean, the Saints came roaring back. Uh, excellent work by them. Derek Carr had a bad start. Then he was fantastic in the middle. You have another you know, nice effort from Taysom Hill, who <laughs> rushes for 59 yards and a touchdown. You have Jameis Winston come in and does complete some passes to Chris Olave. Olave, not a factor as they go down 21 to nothing obviously coming off of that concussion you're a little bit worried that he might not be at 100 percent, and then spends you know the middle to you could argue the entire rest of the game just scorching the detroit lions secondary unfortunately they didn't really have any complimentary pieces at perry kind of the next guy up he takes the three targets today but not really involved the saints are one of these teams that you know watching every game every week they're not amazing by any stretch, but a very solid team. And it's kind of the flip side of the Pittsburgh Steelers, where the Steelers, I think, very much emphasized again today that they do have the good leadership. They do have a quarterback who hasn't made a lot of mistakes, even as he doesn't move the ball. We saw exactly why Mitchell Trubisky is the backup in this game, because he's still far worse than Kenny Pickett, and yet, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers are not a good team. They were just manhandled by Arizona today at home. The, the first drive that Trubisky came in for to start the second half, or not not the first drive, but one of the – well, I mean, I think that what Pickett got hurt like right before the half, and I think it was essentially Trubisky took over after the half. Are you saying that when you're in the shotgun, an inability to catch the snap, would you say that's a good thing or a bad thing? The thing that is so frustrating with the Steelers is that you see George Pickens make a few plays today. I mean, obviously, he's still not successfully drawing targets at the rate that you need to to be the kind of player that he thinks that he is and that we wish that he were. You have a step back from Fryermuth, who's not able to build on his momentum. You get Deontay Johnson not really deployed today though he does get the touchdown to mildly save his fantasy day another game you know similar to what we had with the lions where you know Najee harris plays a really good game last week and ben harris has some really good peripherals has done some nice things this season but i'm mean, this game here where he gets the 16 carries it's just this team isn't put together to be anything more than a team that gets lucky and wins and anytime that you have a, a starting quarterback who's not particularly dynamic and has left a lot on the field this year, and you do get a backup who has a strong arm and has a lot of experience, I mean, you certainly wouldn't want the starter to get hurt. You don't necessarily think the backup's better, but you're thinking a little bit that along the Jameis Winston and Joe Flacco lines, like maybe there can be a spark here. I mean, the Steelers do score and do have a missed field goal in the second half, but you just you really would like to see more dynamism from Trubisky at this point. It it seemed like he could spark them against a team as bad as the Arizona Cardinals. That did not happen. They trailed throughout the game and and certainly the second half. Trubisky threw seventeen passes. They have twenty seven passes in the game, thirty one rushes. You mentioned kind of like the Lions situation, different in that the Lions were at least leading when they decided to run more than they passed. The Steelers decided that sixteen Najee Harris carries against you know 27 total passes and and 
they wind up with the 31 rushes, as I mentioned. And, uh, Jalen Warren only gets nine of those. He goes for 59 yards on his nine, four yards fewer than Harris on, you know, one more than half as many carries, nine compared to 16 carries. But yeah, you mentioned Fryman didn't build on the momentum. Not a lot there for Pickens, not a lot for Deontay, in part because there's 27 passes. Those guys all tie for the team lead with five targets. You know, you do wish that they could consolidate the volume, like maybe a little bit more than that. Allen Robinson gets three targets. For, I don't. Why is he getting three? I mean, three. He catches them all for 19 yards. I don't know what the point of that is. You know, you have Connor Hayward mixing in and getting a couple targets, and Kay, uh, Calvin Austin getting one. And in a low volume game, too, probably too much ancillary target um, usage for for the main guys. But also, the, the issue is just they didn't trust them and the, the quarterbacks and didn't throw the ball enough against an Arizona team that you can. You can throw on, but they go out and win here. The Patriots lose again. So now the Patriots are in the number two seed, Sean. Everyone's saying that Belichick's going to get fired. I think he's, I think he's slightly like a fox. I think he's going to wind up with one of the top two quarterbacks. So that's why they're not getting the will clear career action. That's right. They don't want to win. Yeah. No, no, no. They're doing everything they can possibly do to lose games and they're, they're good at it. They've lost their last three games 10 to 6, 10 to 7, and 6 to 0. They're like, even though you guys are terrible teams who can't score, we're still going to find a way to score less. I mean, this was the Giants, you know, a couple weeks. I don't know how the Chargers look so bad today, but anyway, the the Patriots doing a very good job of tanking, if you ask me. Well, we got the Justin Herbert versus the Patriots game, in which both of those sides can't lose. And obviously, Justin Herbert, not the problem there with the chargers but he does come through today before we exit the arizona cardinals i did mention trey mcbride already but i wanted to say nine targets eight receptions then the only pass that he does not catch and not to say that he's going to catch every catchable pass as we go forward these guys all drop balls but the thing that is so crazy to me is the mcbride has this elite speed that you don't see in the tight ends you don't you didn't see it in rob gronkowski who was just a complete and total fantasy world breaker you don't see it from travis kelsey who obviously is the same thing i mean trey mcbride has many many years of hall of fame level play before he can be mentioned in the same category with those guys but you love to see the speed the other thing though is that he's a gigantic dude who when the ball goes up he catches it with two hands and he looks like he's trying to squeeze the life out of the ball which Again, you kind of like the only pass that he doesn't catch today is on a touchdown that was flagrantly, blatantly, magically overturned because it obviously fit all the rules of a completed touchdown. I wrote in my notes a bizarre overturn because they called it a TD on the field. Well, they didn't know when they were discussing and he was like, yelling at the two officials and it was like i'm gonna stuff you both in a locker if you don't give me this td and so they called it a td on the field but yeah he had it he had three steps down you need two steps in a football move or a third step he had three steps down and then the ball comes out as he's sort of going to the ground you do not need to survive the ground anymore that is not the rule anymore in the nfl that's that's not a thing unless you haven't gotten your two steps yet then you do if i mean if you're going to the ground your two steps and your football move if you're going to the ground, then then sure, you know, we can we can use that as shorthand. Like, yeah, you need to survive the ground. But it used to be way back in the Calvin Johnson days that like if you went to the ground, you had to survive the ground. That is not specifically said anymore. He does the ball does jar out when he lands on the ground. Like after taking three steps going down, 
it was not it was not close. I mean, the the official in the booth did not believe it was close, and they overturned it. And then, luckily, the very next play, Trey McBride's like, "I'm getting my touchdown," and he scored on the very next play. But that is pretty hilarious. You, so, what you're saying is he's he, he's not going to catch every single pass. Although the only passes he doesn't catch in the stat book, he he did really catch. He did. So another great game from McBride, James Connor. I was hypothesizing a week ago that he might not even be rosterable in shallow leagues because of what Arizona faces down the stretch. And because if you're simply not good, you want to let some other players play. James Conner had a huge fantasy game today. So definitely not the case there. What's the next most interesting game on this week's slate, Ben? We had a, a Miami Dolphins yeah, game where... This one has all kinds of little silly pieces and, and kind of fun pieces where, I mean, Tua kept trying to throw long passes to Jalen Waddle, and Jalen Waddle's like, I don't understand I don't why you're not just throwing them to Tyreek Hill. Yeah. It's like, I don't my want teammate this. is so much better than I am. <laughs> he also had just like a an intermediate pass where I've been watching a lot of college volleyball. It's, we're in the NCAA tournament for college volleyball, and it's a it's a beautiful sport aesthetically, and the setting is absolutely gorgeous. Jalen Waddle got himself wide open after Tua scrambled around on one of these plays. Tua hits him in the chest, and Jalen Waddle took that ball, and if he had had a teammate to set it to for a spike, it would have been beautiful. Since his next actual action was to try and run forward for yards, that was not as helpful. Yeah, he just – is that the play where he just kept running and, like, went around the corner, and it was like – he everyone else stopped because the ball went to the ground, but he kept running and was like, look at how many extra yards after the catch I was going to get if I would have caught that. That was that was my favorite play, Jalen. I mean, he was obviously been, disappointed, but yeah, he's been he good struggled. in the past. He'll be good again. I don't know if there's ever been a situation where there were two good players on the same team, where one of them is like, "I'm going to have a greatest season of all time," and the other guy's like, "I'm going to have the worst season of my career." To support you, because when we need to create all the incentives possible for Jalen Waddleton throw you the ball every single time. Tyreek Hill, multiple long touchdowns. He's absolutely unstoppable. Yeah, but I mean, also this is Washington, so it was kind of the. I didn't uh, understand why they didn't wait a week to fire their defensive coordinator because, like, obviously you're going to have that happen to you. Wouldn't yeah. you prefer to have it on the other guy's resume? That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. The the new guy who takes over is like, I got to with these cornerbacks, I got to try to stop Tyreek Hill. Uh, it was the movable. Uh, it was the unstoppable force meets the movable object in this one, right? So we got a. Uh, we got two long touchdowns. Uh, Devon, uh, A-Chan gets plenty of work, most of it late after Tua had actually come out of the game. Mike White takes over. He gets a rushing TD late. Uh, had struggled a little bit with efficiency early on, but caught three early passes as well and and, and then had a short touchdown run a little bit earlier. And then in the late stages, looked really good kind of running it, running the game out and, and scored on the final drive on a fourth down run with like a minute left. Like they didn't need to be scoring again, but they just wanted to get a chance, another touchdown, which is, I mean, you like that. And if you want the guy in fantasy that his coach is like, yeah, we want to get you TDs with a minute left in the fourth quarter for no apparent reason. Yeah. It was almost uh, the case where, they were trying to sort of subtly act like kicking a field goal would be unsportsmanlike because that's like a guaranteed score. Whereas if you just hand it off up the middle, it's the defense's responsibility. But to they stop didn't hand it off up the middle. They did a pitch play. They're like, we're gonna we're gonna pitch it out here to De- De- Devon Achan. Try and run him down. 
you've got to run your real offense. You don't want to send Devon Achan <laughs> into the middle. I mean, if you switched universes here and you had Travis Etienne on the Dolphins and Devon Achan on the Jaguars, then Doug Peterson would run him into the wall. But and Travis Etienne would be scoring thirty points a game. <laughs> but like some people would just kneel there, you know. I mean, they were inside of two minutes. After they scored the TD, Washington just ran the ball three times and ended the game. They were already up by 23. I'm not complaining. Ben, if you've benched your quarterback, you've done all that is in your responsibility. <laughs> no, the thing here that was, that was encouraging is just, I mean, he can't be that. I mean, and it's somewhat obvious. He With the 17 touches on the ground, three more receptions. I mean, you have this workload that's not an issue, but especially if you're going to risk him in garbage time, he's pretty close to 100%, if not 100%. And yeah. it does make sense that they held him out last week, but that seems to be purely precautionary. It actually seems precautionary that they held him out of the game in which he got re-injured in. It seemed like he was more or less saying that that was, again, not a huge deal. But as you point out very accurately a lot, especially for the good teams, it's about surviving the full season. The fact that their incentive in this game is to kind of get him back into a rhythm as opposed to protect him. Very, very positive for his chances yep. in the fantasy playoffs. Ben, you and I had a team that finished in that 3-4 category in the FFPC that has to win twice to, well, the number one thing you want to do is win your league, and then obviously to get into the race. Uh, HN was part of a route victory today. That was very, very exciting. Really, I mean, you and I are now in a situation where we're probably going to be either 2-1 and one or 3-0, and oh. My team with Colin Kelly, my OT co-host, one going away. That was exciting. The 2023 season has had some you know, ebbs and flows, but not only was it fun to get some really good games. I mean, today was the full mix again where you've got like the 6-0 game as well. You've got the Falcons playing as well, all those kind of things. But a lot of fun outcomes today. I you know, feel very grateful to have been on mostly the winning side of it in the fantasy semis for ffpc because got to win this week to win next week glad that the game where i was playing against debo samuel the rest of that team played poorly and so it didn't beat me at a certain point you've kind of put that game in the bag and then you're like well how many points would debo samuel score before it starts to get interesting again it's like 40 50 70 then in this game too we had obviously the rhetoric that the Commanders actually were going to try and run the ball to protect Sam Howell. They actually ran the ball pretty effectively with Brian Robinson, who unfortunately goes out. He looked fantastic again. He's put up some very interesting peripherals. I wrote about that last week on the Zero RB universe. But then, as we know, running the ball does not actually protect your quarterback in any way, shape, or form. When you drop back to pass, you have to be able to do it successfully. A little bit of a frustrating game today. He doesn't get his normal volume. They let a free rusher go when he's throwing a quick screen and that doesn't work very well when the guy is directly in the line of the pass can't really put that one on how he gets another pick six even though it's not his fault those add up in a way that i think do in a way on the team in general but we also did get from him the other little part of his profile that has been mildly disappointing this year hasn't been a huge problem per se but he gets two rushing touchdowns today. Looked fantastic on both of them. Love to see him using his legs. Curtis Samuel 
has a good game. To me, Terry McLaurin, who puts up a zero today, and that's a devastating score, obviously, if you have that in your lineup in a very key week. But also, you see some of the plays and that Tyreek Hill made here, and it's not just about the 4-2 speed. I mean, the 4-2 speed is a huge, huge element to it, but he is adjusting to the ball well in the air and helping the QB out on some of these long passes. McLaurin had a chance to help Sam Howell today and just basically didn't make a good play on the ball. We've seen Jahan Dotson not make good plays on the ball. Curtis Samuel, actually the guy who is playing better than them in a handful of cases, he gets knocked out at the six inch line today or also would have a touchdown on top of that line. Um, I mean, it's nice to see him putting in that effort still feeling comfortable with your Sam Howell teams as we get ready to hopefully win a million dollars with him. The commanders will have the buy next week. And so in the fantasy finals, we'll have to go down to a lesser slash, maybe less heartburnish QB for the championship round. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still feeling all right. This is another team that as I got destroyed, ended up running the ball more times than they threw only 23 passes. Some of that's because Howell runs four times and takes three sacks, but 28 rushes, 23 passes. They only get, you know, 50, what, five plays, 54 plays in total. 54, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, typically we're going to see a lot more than 23 pass attempts. It was just a little tricky to the way that Miami uh, sort of dominated the first half, really. And they had the long touchdowns, but they also had a couple long – they had an eight-play field goal drive in the first half. They had an 11-play touchdown drive as well. And, I mean, Washington also got a a pick six in the first half. There's just several things that – I mean, it's kind of a weird game. I, I guess, like, why, why didn't Washington wind up with more pass attempts is sort of what I'm getting at. I, that last drive with A-Chan getting a lot of work was seven minutes and 50 seconds, 13 plays. It kind of just wiped away the whole fourth quarter. They took over with 10 minutes left and gave the ball back to the commanders with under two minutes. Commanders just ran three times and ended the game. They didn't get a run any fourth quarter plays, really. They only had four possessions in the end in the whole second half, and one of them was that final drive where they had the three rushes that I just mentioned. So just a low-volume game in total for the commanders. Typically speaking, you expect to get a lot more dropbacks out of Howell, a lot more pass attempts, a lot more passing yards typically. was disappointing, I think in that regard here because he knew Miami was going to be able to put some explosives on the, on the board and Washington was probably going to chase and they, they're not even really competitive. And I guess the issue for me with Howell has been, and it's not a Howell thing, but it's, it's one of those things where you worry that the team is going to bench the quarterback just because they like want to do something because they've had a lot of uncompetitive games. They've had a lot of blowout losses and they've now lost, four in a row and six of their last seven as they go on the bye. I don't think they're going to bench him, you know, at this point or coming out of the bye or what have you. But I I worry that when they get this far behind, I worried it today during the game that they might sit Howell down and make a change in game at some point because they go, well, Well, this game's lost and we've we've lost all – they used to just throw into these deficits. Earlier uh, in the year, like week five, I'm I'm looking at their, their, their game log here was the Bears game where they were down 27 to three or something like that at half, I want to say it was. And they just started throwing a ton in the second half. But they got beat 37 to three by the Bills. They got beat uh, 45 to 10 by the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. Then this game with the Dolphins here, there's been several games where they're just getting absolutely trounced. 
and the the pick six was a huge part of that. The pick six was a real dagger if you were playing people on either side of this game, which you know obviously we were. Have a lot of Tua going, have a lot of Waddle going, have plenty of HN going. Certainly have you know all of your teams where you're in the spot to draft Tyreek Hill in best ball, and you go ahead and draft him. And so you know from that perspective, you're thinking even more points than the five, one fifty seven, and two. That pick six puts you in such a negative situation the whole rest of the game now the cool part about it is that right after that he does come back and leave it lead a touchdown drive unfortunately they immediately give up another touchdown and then give up the touchdown before the half that makes it 31 to 7 and so then it sets up for that dynamic you talked about i mean the second half as you said just didn't feature any possessions they go come out they go touchdown they go missed field goal right that's not offensive incompetency and then you have a three and out where sam howell only throws the ball once it's like you got to call different plays and then on the final drive which they just handed off i do believe brissette was in and you know if that miami drive ends five minutes earlier then you know brissette might have been in it anyway and so you do have some of those concerns it's it's kind of this dynamic in fantasy where and certainly with a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, for example, and you know you have a, a team like the Buffalo Bills, where when the defense starts to crumble, then you're almost excited about that because you're thinking now every game is going to be a shootout. The biggest problem with the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, has been that their offense is just so much worse. But the defense also rising has created some of these dynamics where they're really leaning into Pacheco, even though mostly what that does is just siphon time from the game, which if you're trying to ma- manage it from a reality perspective may make sense. If you are playing Mahomes and Kelsey and Rice and some of these guys, anytime that Andy Reid feels confident enough in his defense that he's going to lean into Pacheco, I mean, that's a huge cause for concern in fantasy. The commanders are almost the extreme opposite example where their defense is just so bad that these games will get away from them. And when the defense is that bad, you know, you don't have as much incentive in the fourth quarter. Your incentives do kind of shift to keeping people healthy. Obviously, the opponent can blitz you just relentlessly. And so it, it's not the best situation for Sam Howell and the commanders. The fix is not to hand the ball off on first down. The fix is you've got to play better defense and you've got to call a little bit more aggressive passing plays. Today was one of the first games where the commanders got very, very horizontal except for some of the shot plays which again you know mclaurin has to make a better effort you've got to believe that Jahan dotson is going to be able to get down the field some of the things that the commanders were doing there during that hot stretch when they stopped having such a massive sack issue i feel like they've gotten too conservative with now they're not managing the drives in the right way to be aggressive enough and one of the things that was just so successful with them is they were passing enough for the passing to work but now they're not doing that and you're not getting even though you still have the short passes you have to be throwing the ball across the line of scrimmage you've got to give guys like mclaurin and dotson a chance to make plays they never put those guys in the game other than on a handful of plays today and i've been critical of mclaurin but the main thing is just he's got to get more chances to show what he can do also when you have players of that caliber they can't be de-emphasized for chris rodriguez No, that would not be the preference. Um, Sean, the Eagles and 49ers, you mentioned Debo a couple of times. He takes a couple to the house. And he gets a an end-around touchdown as, as well. well. 
Yeah, I mean, just like everything was right around the line of scrimmage that he got the ball and then he just housed it. I mean, it was so vintage Debo in that regard. Um, One of them is, you know, it is across the line of scrimmage. It's kind of into the secondary. And then all the Philadelphia Eagles players decide to fall down. Kind of weave through the defense. Yeah. The Eagles don't look great. Although they have in there, they don't in this game. They have uh, had, this was, I think I, I saw their third game in, in 13 days. The Niners had 10 days off since Thanksgiving. If I'm not saying those, those things wrong, but there was a, a pretty significant uh, rest advantage here for the 49ers, which was part of the reason the Niners were favored in this game, even though it was in Philadelphia, they're able to come in, get the win. The Eagles, of course, going through a stretch right now where they played games against Dallas, Kansas City, and Buffalo before the Niners, and then they get Dallas again. That is probably the hardest five-game stretch any team's going to play this year, I think. Uh, they won the first three of those games. Lose here. They're going to Dallas next week. If Dallas can win that game, they will be tied atop the division, and it will cause a split in the, their head-to-head because Philly won the first matchup. So Dallas certainly needs to win it if Philly's able to go into Dallas and win in Dallas, more or less decides the division. But now that that Philadelphia has lost a game here, it could be next week. It could be tied at at ten and three. So that would be interesting. The Eagles' but final that- stretch is very very easy. So if they could get through that game, and even a team like the Eagles, when you play a stretch as you just mentioned, you're going to have down games. If they score touchdowns instead of field goals early, then it's a very different situation but i mean this is another game like the early situation with the chiefs where the offense didn't look good they're not getting the most out of these weapons i would say on the dallas side of things there was nothing about what they did against the seahawks that will defeat the narrative that most of their success this season at least from the defensive side of the ball has been preying on minor league football teams yeah i mean this this game was all about the 49ers when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Yeah, I was just kind of building to saying that I'm, I'm not, you know, worried about the Eagles and this, not writing them off, those types of things. They they do get beat. And, and to your point, I mean, the Eagles take the two field goals early. They're up 6-0 after the first quarter. But from then on, the 49ers, every drive score a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. They go six straight drives with TDs from the early part of the second quarter until the late part of the fourth. And then their final drive, they run out the clock. That was 
that was their final seven drives. Six touchdowns and end of game was the result of the final drive. They punted two, three and outs to start. Didn't look particularly great early, but then just looked like the better team throughout. I, I'll i be interested to see, it, you know, if the, these teams do match up again in the playoffs, if we see a little bit of a different level of maybe it's effort or, or um, rest or what have you for the Eagles defense. But um, to your to your point that, you know, some of the Debo stuff, like they, some of the guys were just sort of not at the same speed as Debo, which he makes people look that way. But, you know, it, it did look a little moving a little slow. You made the comment that they were uh, falling down. But it's uh, just a reminder of how good Debo is with the ball. Sometimes he gets a little bit of criticism because, I mean, he's one of the elite wide receivers who in some portions of the open score metric doesn't score as well. And it's easy to forget that. I mean, he's a, a guy who's had a 99th percentile after the catch there. And then again, I would mention from Blair Andrews' work that it's the overall score that is the best indicator of future fantasy production. The other thing that was kind of interesting here, I was surprised early when the 49ers were struggling so much because the Eagles defense has not been very good this year. And that was another thing that just, I mean, I've been tracking that and it's it's something that's fun to attack in some matchups because they're going to be shootouts. Obviously the Eagles offense is going to score, but in reading Blair's wrong read, just the fantastic work that he does kind of, you know, previewing the whole week on Friday, Saturday, uh, again, just coming into this game, the Eagles are not good in run defense. They're not good in pass defense. And <laughs> as you mentioned, there were a lot of possessions in a row in this game where that was very much on display. Yeah. So we get, uh, should have been an exciting game. Turns into a bit of a thrashing shot. I mean, I'm I'm like, the, what what were the other fun games today? <laughs> there were a lot I of guess individual performances. Thursday was fun. I mean, Thursday night was the best Thursday night game we've gotten in a long time. But what yeah. were some of the individual performances that you were thinking of when you said that? Well, you get. I mean, I've been a little bit. I don't think critical is exactly the right word, but when Tank Dell and Noah Brown look so good and when C.J. Stroud is having one of the greatest rookie seasons of all time, it's easy to look at the games that Nico Collins has played successfully and say that those are mostly just the product of situation. And yet with Dell getting knocked out of this game early, it was kind of a, a weird dynamic where at a certain point, especially if you're not playing him yourself or if you're directly playing against him, you're like, why is this Denver defense that has really been rising? <laughs> why are, why are they leaving Nico Collins uncovered by 15, 20 yards? But I think you've got to give him credit for the big game today. Obviously we've talked a little bit about the tight ends. You get the huge game from Tyreek Hill. You get the big game from Puka. So definitely if you have the right type of team and certainly some players who have been league winners in, in one way, shape or form getting to this point, they do come through for their fantasy managers, either in the FFPC semis or as you're pushing to make that best ball playoff, either in the FFPC or underdog, those guys did make the push for you again this week. I haven't watched the Colton's Titans yet, but that obviously was a fun game with a lot of back and forth and certainly for the Colts one that they needed to come through on. I do think that you're right though, in that Thursday was 
the game that really got this weekend started in such an electric fashion. And, you know, you and I had the discussion slash debate, obviously not really a debate, but talking about CD lamb versus Tyree kill. Neither of those guys <laughs> really left much question about, you know, where they think they should be. But I don't think it's impossible that we get to drafts next season. And those guys really are above Justin Jefferson. I mean, they've been, one of the things we've gotten pushback against the idea that anybody other than Jefferson could be the top wide receiver after these games for lamb on Thursday night and for Tyreek Hill today. I mean, Justin Jefferson's got to really do something down the stretch here as the Miami. Well, he's not going to play because Kevin O'Connell's just going to hold him out for the rest of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Got to protect him for himself, Sean. Got to protect it. Yeah. That, uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. I think um, I think he's going to though. I mean, so I was looking at he's talked a little bit about wanting to be a Hall of Famer, this, that, the other thing. I, I mean, they they held him out. He has a bye here. It's now been eight weeks, seven games, and a bye. But Sean, he is at uh, 571 yards through five games. Now that was with Kirk Cousins. He's going to be in a completely different quarterback situation. But he will now have five more games. He's going to wind up with 10 games played, presuming that he's able to stay healthy and play the other five games in the back half. And he missed the seven in between in those 10 games. He would have to average more than a hundred yards per game to have a thousand yard season. He is currently at 114 per game. I think he does it. I think he goes for over a thousand. I think How he's going to Lamb are like, we would just need two more games to get to a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, five games. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, that Thursday night game was exciting. Seeing Liam 17 more targets. DK Metcalf goes off. JSN, though, ends up leading the team in targets. Has a clear, indisputable touchdown robbed from him by the mean officials. No, I mean, the ball obviously slid a little bit. You and I were talking before that I, I, I get almost slightly more on team that should have stood because, you know, he the ball does move, but he kind of has it pinned and doesn't really lose control as they've talked about in some of these reviews uh, in the past. And also because it took them 10 minutes to review it. I mean, if like, just you got the play's got to stand at a certain point, especially when it's my fantasy player. Right. I mean, you've got your watch on it. And if, I mean, there's an obvious time limit, it's not 60 seconds and it wasn't indisputable. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, it's JSN. Yeah. I mean, are we using indisputable or are we using get the correct call? Because get the correct we, call 10 minutes is not a problem. And the We're ball, using my fantasy team needs the points, JSN's touchdown. <laughs> so one of the reasons that I think that people should trust me on Trey McBride's touchdown is that I did not think that JSN kept the ball. The issue there, though, is that it's just it's not completely clear if the point of the ball is in his palm the entire time or not. Because he has it completely locked in at the end of that. And after he's rolled around. But it's just, you can't. Anyway. Ben, what's the stand? Still a breakout game. 11, 11 targets, 7 catches. Looked good. I always joke nice with my after uh, the catch. lawyer friends. You know, especially the prosecutors. And they're, you know, talking about their case. And I always want to know if they've proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because... That always cracks them up. <laughs> What's the standard again, Ben? Is it indisputable here because this play was ruled a touchdown? 
I uh, you were going to give actual information. What eleven targets here? JSN also picks up multiple pass interferences. Then we're going to need to play Geno Smith next week for the title because of the Joshua Dobbs benching. I hadn't had much enthusiasm for this until he torched the Dallas Cowboys defense. Also, I think we've been very accurate in fading DK Metcalf this year, but he looked fantastic in this game. And, you know, all credit where it's due. The first touchdown, the long touchdown, was one of the best passes that you will ever see. The reason that Geno Smith is still in the league, just an incredible example of arm talent, accuracy. And then even at that point, it was impressive for Metcalf to have plucked that out of the air and then sprint the rest of the way for the touchdown. I would argue that the other touchdowns were a little bit, you know, JSN putting him in position. But that first one, extraordinary, extraordinary 73-yard touchdown to start give, this game. They should give the other two touchdowns to JSN um, just because, obviously, he's the one who set them up. Yeah, that was about all that happened in this game. Zach Charbonnet. Finally has a, a strong game. He's had a, a really a brutal run out since he got an opportunity to play more with Kenneth Walker's injury. Been facing some really tough D's, obviously, the last few weeks. But had a long reception here where he got loose for 39 yards, rushed for 60 more. Not really running for much per carry in these last few games against these tough defenses. But did get a rushing TD here, 99 total yards. Good to see. I mean, the, the snap share's been awesome. When you have a backup that steps in and plays 80-plus percent of the snaps, I mean, that's it's what you're hoping for with a handcuff, and it's been good to see. And you get all the pieces of the puzzle here a little bit, some receiving, some rushing, some goal line work. But, yeah, not a ton else in this game. I mean, Dak has a really good come-from-behind game, throws for 303 TDs. And really gets those three big weapons involved i think you've got to be very excited about that brandon cook's starting to make some noise deep on best ball benches tony pollard similar game to charbonnet in that not really getting the dynamism you want but you do get that touchdown i mean prescott doing everything he needs again i mean this was a shootout this was nfl football the way it was you know five six seven years ago such a fun game absolutely sean Who's your MVP right now as we get ready to, to close it up? A couple weeks ago, you told me Patrick Mahomes shouldn't even be in the discussion. Jalen Hurts looks pretty bad today. Brock Purdy's numbers are through the roof. Everybody who is holding the 30-1, to 50-1, to 70-1 Brock Purdy long shots want Purdy to get more credit. Although, I mean, we just got to talking about how both of Debo Samuel's touchdowns, who he had 116 yards and TDs were just basically yards after the catch. I mean, not entirely, but more or less. Not to take away from Purdy, who plays a really good game in this game, but, I mean, it is an offense, and you don't have you know him adding anything with his legs, and it is an offense that is designed to add yards after the catch, and that's a big part of why there's a discrepancy between some of the, I don't know, grading metrics and stuff like EPA, like Purdy's EPA is always going to look really, really good. Some of that probably attributable to the offensive design. I mean, I, that's just where I'm at on it. I do think George Kittle ends up not having a huge line today, but he was destroying the Eagles early. When you have that many options, you've got to play pretty poorly not to 
Yeah, I, again, I mean, honestly, you can play poorly. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the quarterbacks will and do, and he's been fantastic. But I mean, this is one of the most talented offenses of all time. It truly is. I mean, we talked about this when he took over last year, but I mean, you have Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. And Brandon Ayuk has looked like a legitimate number one receiver. I mean, the, the, Brandon like Ayuk can't, can't be covered, and yet he doesn't even draw targets because right. they don't need him. George Kittle is a in like top of his powers, elite, untackleable tight end. You have this Before great they added these other guys team. around him, George Kittle was Travis Kelsey. Yeah, was Travis Kelsey. And you have Ayuk, who, if he didn't have all these guys, could probably be CeeDee Lamb. I mean, not quite. Probably, but like he looks like that good. Debo Samuel, like the best hybrid receiver we've seen in, in this type of like he's in his own role. We we say about anyone else who might be vaguely similar that they could maybe play the Debo Samuel role, but the reality is he's just a unicorn. He's just doing things that don't make sense, but we're all just like calling it a Debo Samuel role because he's redefined the whole position wide back, whatever the hell they're calling it. And Christian McCaffrey's basically redefined the running back position. Or, you know, we we go back to the like Marshall Falk comps. Like we got to go decades back. But these guys are incredible. I'm not trying to take too much away from Purdy, but I did want to get your 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 thoughts on this. I I mean, I think Purdy's definitely in the discussion. I don't know that I would call him the MVP right now, but I mean, there are still games to be played. If he continues this the rest of the way, I mean, I suppose I could I could. I could get behind that, but Dak is the one that I think is a little bit interesting as well, especially if they're able to beat the Eagles in the next game, pull to a tie. Usually you see the MVP come from, usually it's from the number one or number two seed in a conference. So definitely a division winner. The Cowboys won kind of knock or Dak's one kind of knock because he's not even leading his division right now. But if they are able to pull even with the Eagles and they're one of the best teams in the NFC in a really you know, a tough division with a, with the Eagles, then I, I still think he could win it for a really strong regular season. Who would be your pick? Well, Prescott has been fantastic. And I don't think that with how prolific he has been and how he, I mean, he's the guy pulling the trigger on this amazing season for CD lamb, but you can't simply ignore that. And yet their schedule has been so unbelievably easy. And as a result, when you're talking about MVP, I mean, this, you know, we're not selecting guys for an all-star game. You're talking about taking the very best player from the season. I think that he does need to win that Eagles game. And I think you need to win that division to be, to be above Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts, probably not even, you know, the other guy. I mean, it's it, it's going to sound hypocritical when I go to the guy that I do think can be in the mix for MVP because you know he's also not going to get the number one seed in his conference but you look at what CJ Stroud did today where you lose Tank Dell early you're playing just a completely resurrected Denver Broncos team that's on a big winning streak. And the Broncos actually lost to bad teams early and have been beating good teams recently. So their winning streak is very real. They run the ball 30 times and gain three yards per attempt. 
So this game was a little more similar to some of their losses where they leaned into their bad players more. I mean, Damian Pierce carries 15 times for 41 yards in this game. The Denver Broncos defense actually gets to Stroud, and he takes five sacks today. And yet, because he's pulling the trigger, Nico Collins goes for almost 200 yards, and the Texans win a huge game for them to get to 7-5 and five and to be in that mix to you know, not just make the playoffs, but potentially be in a position where you get a, an early game that you can win. And you know, who knows what can happen at that point. And it was frustrating to watch them run the ball in this game because that was very ineffective. But you're also getting some good defensive play. Their defense, uh, you know, taking some of the mentality of their head coach. I mean, they came through in some big moments against Russell Wilson today, kind of seal that victory. This was a huge win for the Houston Texans. And even in a game that is not, as gaudy as so many have been this season stroud does what it takes to get the victory i'm i'm going with him and i think it's it's still very close with all of those guys but i think he's been more impressive to me than dak prescott i'm gonna go an even different direction i'm gonna say a guy earlier who we talked about earlier who had a ridiculous game and you mentioned if they needed him to at all would have probably just doubled it. I think Tyreek Hill should win the MVP. I don't, I mean, he's five catches, 157 yards and two TDs in this game. He's going to go for 2000 receiving yards. He is somehow unguardable for every single team and makes Miami's entire offense work. They're nine and three now. I think it's time for a non-quarterback to win it. I mean, I think this is the season. I don't know that his campaign contextually is going to be as dynamic and dominant as Cooper Cup's from several years ago, but he's definitely in the mix. I mean, if I'm going to say that Cooper Cup should have very clearly won in his best season, then he'll has to be there. If the best quarterback isn't going to be on the best team, but the wide receiver who sets new historical marks ends up being on a dolphins team that takes the number one seed which is a very real possibility then it has to be him so i like that selection as well 157 today he had 13 and 24 entering that brings him to what 14 81 i think i have it just about 1500 yards already sean through 12 games over 90 receptions through 12 games it's not going to really build until – well, it's going to start building over these last five games because right now his line is 90 receptions, 1,500 yards, you know, 12 touchdowns. But it's if he keeps putting up these lines, he's going to get to 130 and 2,000, right, and and probably 16, you know. And, and then you're going to – it's a lot of – Yards and touchdowns. <laughs> and once once you start to get to the size and the scope of those numbers, I mean it's 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 fascinating. You watch uh, Miami, and I mean if you took him off their team, that's like that's the idea of the most valuable player, and it typically should be the quarterback. But if you took him off their team, I mean he's their their whole offense. Waddle has not been great. We we love Waddle, but he has not been great. Reem Mostert has been, and and now obviously A-Chan's back, and they're doing some fun stuff. But those guys are, A, running backs, B, building off of 
the threat of Tyreek Hill to some degree. You take Tyreek Hill off the field, they're not as effective running the ball. I mean, you'd like to think Waddle would step up, but this is a not a deep skill position group, and he's the whole centerpiece of their offense. And they are going to potentially have some more difficult opponents as we go down the stretch. The Jets in Week 15 are very, very good, and at the same time, that's probably not going to be a shootout. The flip side of it is the case for 16, 17, 18, where Dallas, Baltimore, Buffalo, especially Dallas and Baltimore, they could give you some trouble. Although, again, Dallas getting shredded by Geno doesn't make you nearly as scared. But those games shoot out potential. It'll be interesting to see what those teams do. The Washington Commanders, sadly, are just not the kind of team where even if they had it in the game plan, is going to be able to take away a Tyreek Hill. Some of these other teams might be able to put together coverages and say Jalen Waddle is going to have to beat us. We're willing to see if you can beat us with Mostert and Achan. You know, maybe you can with Achan. We'll I think see, that's going to I mean, be a lot of fun. I mean, there's a challenge here. I mean, one of the things that's interesting about this and what you're saying is just like how much of the offense he is. One of the reasons I was going to kind of throw it out there. I mean, it's, it's kind of silly, but if CD Lamb goes for 200 next week against the Eagles, I mean, would you consider him as being in the mix? And you know, partly again, I mean, Prescott has put up more numbers outside of Waddle than Tua. I mean. Tua's numbers, when you look through his actual stat line, a little deflating when you think that, you know, how is he not getting more when Tyreek Hill is right. getting that much? Because Tyreek Hill's getting everything. Like, to your point, I bet there's a stat, like the percentage of, you know, whatever, fancy points receiving yards. Of course there is market share stats. I'd be curious to know what his market share of receiving yards is his dominator rating is in this offense because it's probably one of the better ones of, of all time in NFL history. But, yeah, you talk about the Washington game. Yeah, the Washington is a team that can't stop him. But it's not even like he was running it up against them. He only had five catches. He averaged over 30 yards per catch. It was just like what you knew was going to happen. He did it, but it wasn't like they – I mean, Lamb today had, or on Thursday night had 17 targets and 12 catches and, and then 116 yards or something. A lot of them were short passes – compiling a little bit and 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 i'm not dogging compiling because i'm a compiler but i'm like a big fan of the compiling uh uh players and and i'm always talking them up and i think that's such a massive part of playing sport of football is down to down consistency and the fact that lamb has gotten to be that type of player after you know being such a i'm not like a marvin mims i mean mims doesn't get any volume at all but to have built to where he can be a compiling type of player for Lamb is so cool. And to the point where yeah. he's so good that they gave him two carries for 30 yards in this last yeah. game. But the difference. And I've got to stop you like, really quickly and say that Jalen Waddell was the leading receiver for the Dolphins in two of the last five games. So <laughs> maybe. <laughs> the explosive plays when you know they're going to be there and you know that the whole offense is built around it and the whole defensive game plan. Look, there's never going to be the, – the award is most valuable player. There's never going to be a more valuable player than the best quarterbacks. It's just the way that the sport is played. But in terms of a wide receiver and what they could actually reach, the pinnacle of what they could possibly reach, I mean, this guy is pretty valuable to every game that Miami plays. 
almost the only team that has stopped Tyreek Hill this year was the one team that traded him away and that desperately needed to make the point that <laughs> that trade wasn't the worst thing of all time. They're, they're like, why isn't everyone else committing five players to stopping him? <laughs> it, uh, it worked. They won that game. So, yeah, we will see. It's It's been a fun season because even with the very poor game in week 12, Lamar Jackson, at the very least, a dark horse candidate as well for that MVP. Ben, congratulations to your Washington Huskies. They came through when everyone doubted them. I had a fun time watching the Kansas Jayhawks defeat UConn at Allen Fieldhouse a couple nights ago. It's been a fun week of sports. It was a really exciting Sunday of fantasy. It was a decent Sunday of reality football. Some excellent games in there. We're rooting for everybody tomorrow as you try and get the the final points. Then the thing I was mostly wanting to get done today was to win a couple of these key games before Travis Etienne steps on the field, which we have done. And it's such a huge relief not have to worry about that tomorrow because I'm petrified about (laughs) what the Jaguars might do there. We need Joe Mixon to score 10 or fewer points. Anyone who wants to root along with us won't be surprised to find that it's anti-Joe Mixon time. But such a fun week 13. Rooting for all of you tomorrow. Good luck to everybody. I'm Sean Siegel. With me, as always, is Ben Gretsch. Make sure you follow him at Yards Per Gretsch. Check out Stealing Signals. Make sure you sign for Stealing Lines. People are having a ton of fun with Stealing Signals Gold. We'd love to have you guys over at Rotoviz, the coupon code there is RV Rated 2023 at checkout. If you want to leave us a little Christmas present, the ratings and reviews help us a ton with the algorithm. We appreciate everything you guys have done for us there. We love you so much. We'll talk to you soon.